This is Building on the Solid Rock with Pastor Troy Neely of Calvary Chapel, Solid Rock. Let every family find faith in the Father's love. This is where it begins. This is our cry, this is our song, Jesus the way. We find our life in Him. First Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, we read this. Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of the sufferings of Christ, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy if you are reproached for the name of Christ. Blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part He's blasphemed, but on your part He is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Most people go through life looking to make things better for themselves. Some people work hard trying to get more money so they can afford a more comfortable lifestyle. Some people work to eliminate everything that causes stress, trying to live carefree and simple. In today's message, Pastor Troy teaches us that life always has difficulties. The question is, just what exactly makes it worth dealing with? Jesus warned his disciples that life will have suffering, but he also promised that there's hope on the other side. Now, here's Pastor Troy in the book of John chapter 13 with today's edition of Building on the Solid Rock. That's why in marriage vows, one of the things so important that we understand is it's for better or for worse, richer or poorer. It's for the good times and the bad times. And there will be some of those because we all make mistakes. We just don't want to compound them by bad decisions on top of them. You see, it's easy to love a person who's perfect. We can all say, I love the Lord. I just don't like his people. You can't really love him unless you're loving them. But I love you, then love them. But I love you, (laughs) then love them. That's hard. Do you love me? Then feed my sheep. <laughs> oh man, Lord, it's like they're tied to you. I can't really love you unless I'm like loving toward them. Exactly. He ties it so closely together. That's why he tied it together. What's the great command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And tie it together. Love your neighbor as yourself. You can't serve the Lord unless you're serving people. It's easy. We would all love to come up with ways we can serve the Lord without people. I serve the Lord by playing checkers and letting my kids win. I serve the Lord that way. They don't know. That's not serving the Lord. That's helpful maybe for your kids' self-esteem or whatever, but it's not serving the Lord. See, you know when you're serving the Lord. It costs. It costs time. It costs humility. It costs... Because you're a servant. It's not convenient. It's easy to love a perfect person, but when you serve him by loving someone, that's hard. I read a story about a, a wife who was an alcoholic, and here's how all this unfolded. 
At some point, she began to drink and early in the marriage, very early in the marriage, and it messed up the marriage. Ten years into this, their marriage is kind of in shambles. The, the husband finds out that ten years earlier, she had had an affair with uh, what was at the time a good friend, a very good friend. And he was devastated, betrayed. And then he could see why the alcohol and all this stuff. She had felt so guilty. She turned it. It just, everything became a mess. And he had bitterness in his heart. It made bad things worse. Well, God was dealing with his heart. And he knew this was about him, not about her. God was dealing with his heart. And just so happened, they came into a circumstance. She was there. They were trying to work through this. He had found out. She knew And they run into this guy. She didn't know how he's going to respond. And they run across him. With all his heart, he wanted to come in this way. But with God, he came in this way. Asked him how he was doing. Didn't bring it up at all. Shared his heart. He said his heart began to change. All this that was held on to, all this that he couldn't let his wife move beyond now and even kept her trapped down, he was able, he said, it freed him and enabled him to renew his love for his wife. To renew that love and to overcome a barrier that had risen up between them that could not be overcome. And then he said, when he finally said to her genuinely after that encounter, I forgive you and I accept you just as I did when I pledged to love you at the very first, to cherish you until death do us part. I love you. It was only then that he understood the power of forgiveness for himself and for someone else. And it was only then that everything began to change in their marriage for the better. The Lord loves you. The Lord loves you. And there's nothing that you have done or thought that he doesn't know about. And isn't willing to forgive you. And to love you through. I mean if this man could do it with his wife. How much more can the Lord. Who is the author of love. The perfecter of it. Willing to love and carry. And pick you up and walk with you. So the prediction of betrayal. He always knew. Look at verse 19. Now I tell you before it comes. That when it does come to pass. You may believe that I am he. See, I'm telling you this for this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send receives me. And he who receives me receives him who sent me. Now let's talk about the paradox of betrayal. It's a strange thing. Notice the reason Jesus tells them is not so that they can identify the guy and beat him up or stop it. But so that they will trust him. He tells them in advance about this so that they will gain a greater confidence in him. There's going to be chaos that follows this. And there's going to be reflection. And he wants them to be able to reflect and remember his words and be strengthened, not discouraged by this that unfolds. Because it could be very discouraging. They're going to need a strong trust in him. And so they need this. 
They're going to need a strong trust in his word, to hold on to his word rather than circumstances. And so they need this because they're going to be sent out into the world. And they're going to be sent out into the same world that hated and mistreated him. In verse 20, Jesus reassures them, most assuredly, I say to you, he who receives whomever I send, received me. And who received me, received him who sent me. So the paradox here is that Jesus is telling them in advance that, hey, opposition is basically going to get a victory. They're going to get a big win here. It's going to seem like a win for them. And I want to tell you that, but I want to tell you that now in advance to encourage you. What? A defeat is going to encourage me? Yes, it's going to encourage them to trust him to a greater level. Because he knows stuff. And not only that, but he tells them in advance what things are going to happen. When people come to Christ, they're often misled. Uh, I think by well-meaning individuals, maybe they're, you know, it's like you're reeling them in. You want them to come to church. You want them to come to Christ. So you don't want to tell them about the challenges they might face. You want to tell them about the good things. Oh, he'll fix everything. Oh, it'll be perfect. And you just tell them about the good. And people can be misled by that. So when they come to Christ, they're misled into believing everything will suddenly get better. But often, you come to Christ, the troubles just begin. Sometimes things get worse before they get better. I mean, that's a reality. But these things should not discourage our walk. They should not discourage us from walking with Christ or coming to Him because Jesus said these things would happen in advance. And when these things happen, because they did what he said they should do, and he said these things would happen when they did, that they should trust him more, not less. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 16, we read this, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of the sufferings of Christ, that when His glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy if you are reproached for the name of Christ. Blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part He's blasphemed, but on your part He's glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or a busybody in other people's matters. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. In other words, hey, you know, if people get on to you and make life difficult for you because you're a hypocrite, a liar, you're a gossip and a busybody, don't think you're suffering for Christ in that. But if by pursuing the Lord and righteousness and follow Him, then you're persecuted, then you can glory in that. The Lord has promised to be with us through everything. To never leave us and never forsake us. He promised we need to embrace His word over the circumstances. We're in a fallen world where things like betrayal, selfishness, bad decisions, all of these things influence what happens around us. And some of the bad decisions are ours. We get ourselves into certain circumstances. So something bad happens to us out there, but we snuck out of the house or we did what, you know, the Lord told us we should be busy about this, but we decided to do this. And so we made a bad decision. So a bad thing happened. So it all works together. And we can't blame God for all that. We have a part in it. Bad decisions. 
But when these things come upon us that God said would happen when we make these decisions or these things come, we shouldn't be discouraged from following him. We should be encouraged to follow him. That's the paradox in all this. Rather than using these things as an excuse to turn from him, we ought to use them to drive us closer to him because we know what happens. And you know, we're not only told in the Bible what would happen, we're told how to deal with the things, how to repent. And so it's so important that we read the scriptures. Stay tuned to hear more from today's teaching on Building on the Solid Rock. Pastor Troy Neely has been sharing insights from God's Word with us, and he'll have much more to share in the next part of this message. We're so glad you tuned in today, and we pray you've been encouraged and challenged by what you've heard. If you've been touched by this program, or if you have any questions about Building on the Solid Rock, we'd love to hear from you. Send an email to info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. That's info at buildingonthesolidrock.com. You can also find out more about this program by visiting buildingonthesolidrock.com. Listen to previous teachings as well, and even subscribe to our podcast. Now, here's Pastor Troy with more of today's message. Look at verse 21. When Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom he spoke. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore mentioned to him to ask who it was of whom he spoke. And then, leaning back on Jesus' breast, he said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, What you do, do quickly. But no one at the table knew for what reason he said this to him. For some thought, because Judas had the money box, that Jesus said to him, buy those things we need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. Having received the piece of bread, he then went out immediately, and it was night. Now we'll talk about the proximity of betrayal. Very close. Here's the setting. They're at a table. And they don't sit like we do at a table where everyone's sitting in a chair. They were on the floor or maybe on a pillow or something, leaning a pillow would be underneath their ribcage, maybe leaning upon that as they're leaning to the left. So they would sit, maybe propped up by one hand or leaning to the left or laying all out. And so the situation here is Peter seems to be near John who's able to, if you can imagine him leaning in and me leaning this way, his head's near me so he could kind of look up at me and go, ask him who it is. And obviously, John is near to the right of Jesus, who could lean in then to his chest. You know who Jesus would lean into? Judas, who was right at his left. He would pass him the first piece of bread, because that's the way they would pass it. So uh, Peter's interested. Who is it? Peter's always sticking his foot in his mouth. Maybe like, you stick your foot in your mouth. No, it's because he's trying to keep it a little under the under breath, and he asked him, ask him. Otherwise, Peter could have asked him himself. So John leans in. They've all asked, is it I? Because they all know there's times where they weren't perfect. 
and they might qualify. But then John leans in and asks, who is it? Now, when Jesus announces that one of them will betray him, the other gospels reveal that they all asked, is it I? So if you put all the gospels together, it's then that we get the bigger picture of what's going on. They all asked, is it me? Is it me? Is it you? No. And then this intimate question was asked. All John had to do was lean in a little bit to ask Jesus, Lord, who is it? That means that Judas, to his left, had a position of honor at Jesus' table. That was a a position that John's parents asked for for them, James and John, the right and the left. Judas had that position at the left. That's why Jesus then, when he dips it in and, and he hands the bread... Well, that was natural. It wasn't like he dipped the bread and said, who I give it to? Ah, Judas. No, no, this was natural. And so it wasn't fully connected because that was the regular order of things. And that's why they still don't get it. And they still don't understand when Jesus tells Judas to go do what he must do. They're, They're not sure. They know he knows something, but they don't know exactly what he knows. Even Judas himself knows what he's got in his heart. But have you, ever, have you ever had someone say something to you? It's like, do they know? You're not sure. You're kind of taken aback. It's like being at church. You're in the Bible. And Judas was in that, that place where Jesus tells him what you must do, do quickly. Oh, wow, this is an odd evening. Because Jesus knows. So when Jesus tells him, tells Judas to go do what he needs to do quickly, they're all like, well, what's he doing? Is he going out to give to the poor? I mean, certainly Judas isn't doing something wrong. I mean, Jesus just said, the one who I dip with, but it was passed around. It would be passed. It would be passed to the left. So they weren't sure. They had a good idea that Jesus knew something was going on. Either way, Judas goes through with the betrayal. He's gone now for whatever reason. He's frustrated with the fact that it's not unfolding the way that he wanted. Who knows? But for him, he liked the gold more than he loved God. That was what was in his heart. Something interesting about this scene, though. John was near Jesus' heart by proximity, but That means Jesus, as he leaned, was near Judas' heart by proximity, able to whisper to him. On this night, when Jesus is leaning in towards Judas, he said things to Judas and to others that Judas could hear that would have given Judas the opportunity, the potential for a pause in the plan. To go, you know, I'm not going to do this. But here's the problem for Judas. He left too much room in his heart. Though Jesus was pressing in, he left too much room in his heart for other things. When you have room in your heart for other things, those other things can take over. When that happens, there's the potential for betrayal. 
Guys, this is why we can't let other things in our heart. This is why things like pornography are so offensive to our relationships. If you're married, especially to that relationship. If you're not married, it's an offense to your future relationship. Because you've already violated with your eyes and your lusts that person. You've already opened up things that you should never have opened up. That's for them. And only them. When we leave room for Satan, we are capable of betrayal. Hurting those who are close to us or those who've placed their trust in us. You may not mean to do it or intend to betray, but if you set your heart on the wrong things, you have the potential to betray. It takes just a slight shift in your priorities. Guys, a slight shift in your priorities, even for a moment, can cause the worst of decisions. And these decisions can lead to very, very painful consequences. Sometimes lifelong. Maybe you fear being betrayed. Being betrayed because you have been or because you've seen the results and what happens. You don't want to be betrayed. And so you, you, you adjust your life to do everything you can to avoid betrayal, to avoid being betrayed. But let me tell you something. Put your hope in God. Do not let that keep you from the Lord or his plan for your life. Don't do it. Then the enemy gets a win. He's got you captive. Instead, guys, love like Jesus did. Open yourself up. Be vulnerable. Know in advance when the things happen that you're to drive in closer to the Lord. Trust him with all of your heart. He will never, ever let you be left alone or forsaken. So you can love like Christ did. In fact, the scripture says that he's poured out his love into our life, into our hearts. So maybe that's you. You fear being betrayed. Fear not. God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. Go for it. You love. God will pour out in you and he will guard you and he'll always be there for you. Maybe you've done the betraying and you're in that place of, like the woman, you've turned to all sorts of things. You can never forgive yourself. You feel like you wish you'd never done it, but you can never overcome it. You've been the betrayer. Let me just say this to you. Jesus knew in advance. He knew what you had done. He knew what you would do. He knew everything, and he loves you. In fact, the very reason he went to the cross was that you might be cleansed. That you could move forward without the condemnation and the guilt. He forgives. We just got to take it to him. Let him forgive us. People may not. And that'll be between them and God. You know, the person who holds on to unforgiveness, they're the one trapped. They're the one feeling the pain. But you who receive it, you who give it, you're free. While they're trapped in that cage of holding on to and bitterness and looking and eyeballing, and they're the ones who feel it all. They're the ones losing years of their life and health because they're holding it inside, but not you. You're free. And I want you to know who the Lord sets free is free. And if you're a betrayer, you do the things that God has told you to do. 
to resolve, to apologize, to do whatever it is that you need to do. But who the Son sets free is free indeed. Jesus knew and He forgives you. He calls you to Himself. Maybe He's pressing in right now so that you can be cleansed and move forward. Because we serve a God who loves us. He was betrayed and He still went to the cross. Hey, we're so glad you joined us today for Pastor Troy's teaching in the book of John. If you'd like to hear today's message again, visit our website, buildingonthesolidrock.com. There, you'll also find an archive of previous messages from Pastor Troy, as well as information about this radio ministry, Building on the Solid Rock. You might be interested in the church behind this ministry as well, Calvary Chapel Solid Rock. If you're in the San Antonio area, we'd love to meet you and for you to be a part of our weekly services. For the latest service times, please visit our website. You'll find a link to Calvary Chapel Solid Rock at buildingonthesolidrock.com. From all of us on the production team at Building on the Solid Rock, we'd like to say thank you for tuning in today. We pray you continue to seek God during these times of uncertainty and that you explore what He wants to teach you in His Word. Join us again as Pastor Troy continues sharing from the book of John on Building on the Solid Rock. Let the light of Christ shine as we grow in Him. Come have your way in us. Come